Hello everyone and welcome to episode 30 of Added Time in Games and Raps Studio Podcast. Feels like there's only going to be one main topic this week uh, and we've got to talk about VAR. Uh, absolute shambles at the weekend. We're now in a position where we're not just getting contentious decisions, we're getting referees coming out and actually admitting, I got it wrong. I'm completely sorry. Now, before I start, I don't want the, I'm not bashing VAR. VAR as its own entity is absolutely fine. The technology is there. The technology works. The issue is the people that are in charge of it. And they are coming across as completely incompetent, don't know what they're doing. And we're getting to a stage now where it's becoming embarrassing. In fact, it already is embarrassing. When you've got subjective decisions in football, you're always going to have some people that say, no, the ref got it completely right. And then you're going to have some that go, the ref got it completely wrong. You only have to go through Twitter and look at that and see that you'll get one one that the team that's benefited from the decision will say, yeah, stonewall penalty or yeah, that is handball. And then the team that have been hard done by their fans will say, no, never a penalty. It's a joke, inconsistent, etc. So you have got subjective decisions, but when it comes to offside, you are either offside or you're not. Okay. We saw two instances at the weekend where the VAR officials got it completely wrong. Now, you've got to remember as well, these VAR officials, they also have assistants with them. You have an assistant VAR. So let's go, let's take the first one. Let's take Arsenal-Brentford. The cross comes in. It's headed back. It's headed back across the goal. So Brentford, Brentford are attacking. It's headed back across goal. Now, for me, the defending from Arsenal was very poor. The ball comes back in. Defender jumps up or, or player jumps up, heads the ball down, goes to Norgard. He puts it across for Ivan Tony. Tony puts it into practically an empty net. 1-1. Now, VAR are looking at this. Lee Mason is the VAR. Now, Lee Mason, he isn't a referee that I've ever really rated. And he's now predominantly in the VAR truck. He spent that much time looking at the first incident of, okay, well, was that player that was stood in an offside position when the ball first came in? Is he then, in, you know, interfering with play later on? Um, and he spends that much time looking at that. I mean, firstly, when he draws the line, the player hasn't made contact. He spent that much time looking at that over three minutes that actually he forgets to look at the actual offside. So the Brentford player knocks it down, Norgard's offside, and then when the ball comes over from Norgard, Tony is likely offside as well. The official statement was he forgot to draw the lines. That's your job. That is your fucking job. How can you forget to draw the lines? It is unbelievable. And the problem that you have with these officials is there is no accountability. Because the, the reality is, is that they all close ranks. You know, I, I know that Howard Webb has come in and some people have seen that as a good thing. He was a very good referee back in the day. And 
he is looking to change things and for things to be more transparent. So the fact that they have come out and said this was human error is a, a step in the right direction. Howard Webb has made contact with Arsenal and with Brighton, who I'll come on to the Brighton one shortly, and apologised. It is not good enough, okay? There are certain things that if you get wrong, it doesn't really matter, okay? If I go to the shop and I forget something, it's not the end of the world. I can either go back to the shop or I get it next day or I go without. If you, <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, you, you don't put the safety on, on a uh, gun, <laughs> and then you pull the trigger and there's a bullet in there. That's slightly different. There are potential consequences. Now, I am not comparing football to, to that at all. What I'm trying to say is that these honest mistakes, and oh, sorry about that, they have long-term potential long-term consequences so we take arsenal for example they were winning that game brentford score it's 1-1 arsenal drop two points okay if we get into a situation where at the end of the end of the season arsenal lose the title race by two points or by a point it's it's damaging. It is damaging and it, and it damages the, for me, it damages the reputation of the Premier League and it damages the so-called best league in the world. You know, it's an embarrassment. We see dodgy decisions in other parts of, or dodgy decisions, or we see mistakes made in other parts of Europe and in European football. And it has to be something really, really big. Otherwise, we, you know, these sorts of things, if this happened in the in the Dutch League or the Spanish League, it's unlikely we would hear about it. The thing is, the Premier League is so big and is watched in so many countries. Talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where the money that the Premier League generate from TV deals outside of the UK is astronomical. The eyes of the world are on the Premier League. You know, it would be like a huge decision being a mess being made in the Super Bowl. You know, the eyes of the world, and because it's such a big deal in one of the biggest countries in the world, it would become sort of global news if a huge mistake was made in a Super Bowl final, for example. So when a mistake is made in a league game between Arsenal and Brentford or a league game between Crystal Palace and Brighton, the eyes of the world are on the Premier League. And it's embarrassing. And and the problem is you've got it comes across as arrogant because you've got people that are in high positions of power, you know, they are in charge of the game. That game being played, they are the ones that are running that game. They make the decisions, they uphold the rules, you know, you fouled that player, it's a free kick, etc. But there's no accountability. And what you get with that, you give people power and no accountability, you end up with people that are just so arrogant. Um, and they don't care. They don't care. They're still going to get paid. I mean, Lee Mason, oh, Lee Mason's been taken off VAR for one week. I'll bet he's absolutely buzzing. It means he can take the missus out for Sunday dinner. It's, it's a joke. Um, and something needs to be done about it. And 
you years ago, before VAR, okay, when you know you saw a mistake happen or you saw like a big balls up there, you kind of went, <laughs> Arsenal dropped two points. Should have been that shouldn't have counted. That goal shouldn't have counted. The worrying thing is, is that you know it's going to happen to your team at some point. And I know that pre-VAR people used to say, look, decisions even out over a season. Okay? I, I do tend to agree with that. And you have heard former referees come out and say that, you know, we do we do realise we've made a mistake sometimes and we do try and even it up. You know, ex-referees have come out and said that. The PGMOL will, will deny that, obviously, because that can come across as a bit dodgy. But it happens. But VAR was there. VAR was put in to stop things like the time that, that Drogba was 14 miles offside and Chelsea won at Old Trafford and then eventually won the title. Things like that. Um, you know, good examples of VAR. Abamyang a couple of seasons ago, flagged offside when he was miles onside against United again, and he goes on to score. That's good VAR. But that is like obvious. Now, I think what what is worrying is these people are paid to do this. These people are paid, you know, Lee Mason was being paid that weekend to draw lines on a computer screen. You didn't need to draw lines. You could see he was offside. You could see the players were offside. I've never refereed a game of football in my life. I didn't need three minutes to make the decision. Now, I wonder whether actually the time that it takes VAR, and, and it happened in the Leicester game as well. I was there. It happened in both halves. VAR got involved in two of the goals. One disallowed, one wasn't. And both times it felt like it went on for ages. I think someone next to me timed it, and it was four minutes, I think, one of them. I actually think that it isn't necessarily the referees going, mm, I don't know, is that in the rules? Is that? I actually think they don't know how to use the technology. Okay. And I don't want to come across as ageist or anything like that. However, people of a certain age were not brought up in the age of the computer and are a little bit slower in using technology. That is a fact. I see it day in, day out. I've got it with my own parents. My mum, bang on with technology. My dad, you'll get okay in a text message or a thumbs up. And that's about the limit. He wasn't brought up in the computer age. And some of these people that are Lee Mason, the Mike Deans of the world, are in that age bracket. Now, look, you can teach people how to do things. You can you can show people. You can train people. Absolutely. And there shouldn't be, you know, discrimination because of their age or anything like that. But if they're getting these big decisions wrong, then someone, something has, they have to be held accountable and something has to happen. Arsenal could could lose a league title because of this. You know, if I look at the, the incident in the Crystal Palace-Brighton game, great point for, for Palace. Brighton absolutely battered them. They have a perfectly good goal disallowed for VAR because they drew the line against the wrong Crystal Palace defender. Why isn't the assistant VAR 
giving whoever it was a tap on the shoulder and going, um, you've not drawn the line properly. It's it's the defender behind. Oh, shit, yeah. Hang on, let me redraw it. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's miles on side. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. That could cost Brighton a European spot. And we're not talking in, you know, the Premier Premier League clubs are rich. You know, you can finish bottom of the Premier League and still be paid hundreds of millions. But that's not the point. That isn't the point. And and the thing is, it just comes across as, it comes across as corrupt. It comes across as there could be agendas against certain clubs. Now, that's something that I completely hate. I hate it when, especially fans of, of your big six clubs, there's an agenda against us, there's an agenda. No, there isn't. Shut up. Shut up. Just the, there isn't. Get on with it, you know. But it's starting to feel like that. It's starting to feel so dodgy. The the Chelsea one. So for those of you that haven't seen the Chelsea one, it's 1-1. And I can't remember the Chelsea player. Has a shot. Conor Gallagher. There you go. It's just come to me. Conor Gallagher has a shot. Okay, it's... It might be getting saved by Fabianski. Not really sure. Suchek saves it. He saves it. In fact, he even flicks his wrist, trying to do his best Gordon Banks impression against Pelé. And everyone in the ground can see that it's handball. Everyone watching at home can see that it's handball. But there's a person in a truck, in the VAR truck, who has decided that's not a deliberate handball. Okay, if that's the case, come out and tell us why and explain. Because I'm none the wiser as to why that isn't deemed a deliberate handball. Suchek knows he's got away with one. It's it's ridiculous. And, you know, you could account, you, you, could, you could forgive human error pre-VAR when the technology wasn't there. You know, the infamous one around with um, the ball going over the line, Tottenham against United. I feel like I'm picking on United here. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking that these are the examples that have come to my head. Um, The midfielder has the shot. It goes miles in the air. Roy Carroll drops it. It goes a good three foot over the line. Linesman doesn't see it because the linesman isn't Usain Bolt and couldn't keep up with the pace of the ball being walloped from the halfway line. And that you can kind of go, I mean, it's te- it's a terrible decision, but I get it because humans and, and all of that. And that's the problem, realistically. That is the problem with, with VAR is the human element of it. Now, I think that the the semi-automated offside technology that they used at the World Cup and they are using, uh, I believe they use it in Italy. Yeah, or and I don't know whether they're not whether they're using it in the Champions League or not. Which basically is a is a is a computer that a computer draws the line for them, and it tells them whether a player is offside or not. Now, there was a couple in the World Cup where you thought. How have they ruled that out for offside? And then you you see the AI composite and where they've drawn the line, and you go, "Oh yeah, he is." Now these lines 
sometimes it, it happened to uh, Lotaro Martinez the other week for Inter uh, in the Milan derby, I think it was. His forehead was offside because of the, the semi-automated line said, well, his forehead was ahead of the, the, the last defender. If you're offside, you're offside. You know, I know it's frustrating. I know that there's all oh, give the advantage to the to the attacker, but how far do you go with that? You know that that is a real difficult one to navigate. Um, so I think the sooner that the Premier League address the issue and start bringing in some semi-automatic, um, you know, offside offside technology, we're going to get this. And and the thing is. The the sickening thing is is that these referees they know that as fans we're gonna we're gonna at some point forget it and the reason we forget it is because it'll happen again the following weekend and we're talking about something else. It's frustrating. I'm not I'm not anti VAR. It's clear that we don't have good enough people using the technology. That is my issue with it. Um. I've seen a lot of people say, right, that's it. It's time to scrap VAR. It's not going to happen. VAR is here now. It is not going to get scrapped. Because could you imagine a situation where at the start of next season, right, no VAR, no goal line technology. It's going back to the so-called good old days. And it will be whatever the referee decides. A goal gets scored. A player is clearly offside that VAR could have cleared up in seconds there'd be uproar again there'll be calls for well we've got the technology why don't we use it so var is here to stay it needs improving last weekend was an absolute farce and something needs to be done before the premier league is just looked upon as either being a joke embarrassing or, or corrupt or all of the above um I mean, the, the the rule makers as well, they seem to have come up with, it feels like sometimes they're just making it up as they go along. So Wolves played Southampton at the weekend and went down to, Wolves went down to 10 men really early on. Now the player in question, uh, Mario Lamina, uh, was booked. Uh, you know, it looked like a booking to me. And then... A bit later on in the first half, the, the the referee gave a decision against Wolves. And when you look at the replay, Ruben Neves goes to the, the referee. Another Wolves player, maybe Matinho, goes up to the referee to to moan and, 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 and do that. And then Lamina, okay, he does come running over from a bit away. He comes He comes running over. And the referee decides to yellow card him, second yellow, and he's off. Now, Ruben Neves was interviewed after the game, and he said, did the referee, he was asked, has the referee explained why he carded Lamina and not you? And Neves said, do you really want me to tell you what he said? Yes, we do. We do want to know what he said. And I'm paraphrasing here, but the referee allegedly said, because he was the third player to come over, he's the one I had to book. So apparently now we have this rule where if you surround the referee, the th you're allowed, you're effectively, what they're saying is you're allowed two players to come and surround the referee and gesticulate that you don't agree with the decision. 
If a third player does it, that's the one that's going to be booked. It makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense as well. And to back, uh, 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 you know, and to back that up, I believe it happened in the Leeds United game the following day. I think a decision was given given against Leeds. Two Leeds players went up to the referee. Why is that a free kick? Why have you given that? How can you give that? That sort of stuff. A third player came over. He was the one that got booked. So clearly this is a rule now. And it doesn't make sense to me. You know, if the players are told beforehand, I don't want to be surround. Don't surround me if I'm if I give a decision that you don't agree with. The only person that can come up and speak to me is the captain. Now, I think that should be a rule anyway. Potentially, that only the captain should go up and speak to the ref. At the end of the day, you know, going up to the ref, going up to the referee and understanding why a decision has been made. I'm not against that. The reality is the ref isn't going to change his mind. So some people would say it's pointless and you just have to accept it and you get on with it. But in the heat of the moment, when you're playing football, you know, we've all played the game at a certain sort of level. You know, you want to know, well, why do what do you mean that was a free kick? Well, actually, what you did was this, this, and this. Oh, did I? Okay, sorry. I, I mean, I've I've done it. I've done it playing five aside. I've had a free kick given against me, and they've gone, you've elbowed him in the ribs. And I went, did I? And then, yeah, I, I did. Okay, sorry. So sometimes you just don't, you don't know, you genuinely don't know what you've done. Um, so that explanation isn't a bad thing. But... um. So yeah, the Wolves player was sent off because he was the third person to go up and and, and moan at the referee, which is a pattern now apparently a, a rule and worthy of a yellow card and he then got sent off. Now, <laughs> it didn't really matter for Wolves in the end. They turned it around 1-2-1. One, one. Um, and as a result of that, Nathan Jones gets the sack. So things, are, things aren't going great at Southampton. As at the time of recording... They haven't named a new manager. There was talk that we're going to get Jesse Marsh, the the recently uh, fired Leeds manager, ex-Leeds manager, but that doesn't look like that is happening now. So um, bad weekend for VAR. Now, uh, I want to come on to talk about the Leicester game because, you know, obviously I was there. I feel for me, this, this one has been glossed over a bit, probably because Leicester ended up winning anyway. And it didn't really matter, and and the the player in question got a goal eventually, anyway. But I think that I think v, the whoever was in the VAR truck that day, I think it was Mike Dean actually. I don't think he drew the line correctly for the Barnes offside. Um, Barnes was ahead of the centre back. Just for me, he wasn't ahead of Ben Davis. The line, if you look at the line, it goes through Ben Davis's shoulder and it should have been moved. And I think Barnes would have just been offside. It's been glossed over. It's not really been mentioned. I've seen it on Twitter, you know, between between Leicester fans and stuff sharing it. But I think ultimately, if you win 4-1, you're not really that bothered that one of your goals has been disallowed. Now, it's, it's different if we that goal gets disallowed and then Tottenham come back and it, and it finishes 3-3, then it's controversial and it gets talked about. So I think that was another one that was missed. But to be fair, you know, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to kind of go, oh, well, you know, you forgot about Leicester. You know, I'm not 
you know, the the Arsenal one and the Brighton one were far bigger um, in terms of controversy and future uh, future repercussions, like I mentioned earlier. Take a quick swig of a drink there. So let's talk about the Leicester game. Um, the most Spursy thing ever. So the week before they go and beat Man City 1-0. They play against Leicester, who had beaten Aston Villa that weekend, that same weekend, 4-2. New players have come in at Leicester. There's an excitement. I talked about it last week. There's an excitement now <clears throat> around Leicester, around the King Power, that these new signings have made a difference. James Madison coming back as well, which is freed up certain players to be able to play specific roles. Dewsbury Hall looks looks better already because Madison's in there and, and all of that wonderful stuff. So I always say that when, when Leicester play one of the 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 aptly main the teams that are named the big six, um for me it's a free hit. Now, we do need results at the minute, Leicester, because of everything that's going on and because of where we find ourselves in the table. But we do need we do need points. But when we play the big six, I always think, well, it's a, it's a free hit. And as long as you don't get embarrassed, as long as you don't get hammered five or six nil, you know, you move on from it and you try and win the games, you know, and try and beat the teams around you. So Spurs took the lead. Uh, a fortunate goal for me, Benton Kerr. It, uh, it, it ricocheted off Christensen, who prior to that had made an unbelievable clearance uh, to stop it, stop the stop the ball from going in. Uh, the clearance conceded a corner. The corner came in and eventually it hit Benton Kerr and went in. Now, again, VAR looked at this one. It took absolutely ages. One of the things that I kept hearing behind me from people was, well, this it's obviously not a clear and obvious error. Clear and obvious doesn't come into it when it comes to offside because you're either offside or you're not. But clearly that didn't matter over the weekend. Uh, but the response from Leicester from going a goal down, very much like we did at Villa, was was absolutely superb. Uh, a rocket from Nampalis Mendy. Six seasons ago, Leicester signed him. He's managed to survive a number of managers spent a lot of time out of the team, you know, do, doesn't really play unless and Diddy's injured. And then we go and buy Samare and you think, well, that's, that's Mendy gone, isn't it? But he stuck around and he was fantastic on, on Saturday. And he is a, he is a very good and very underrated player. And I hope that just because and Diddy is back and, fit again that it doesn't mean that Mendy has to go back down to the bench because he's he's done uh, he's done great as Mendy and, he, and the goal was was unbelievable definitely goal of the month contender I mean it might be difficult for him to be goal of the season contender for Leicester this season given the couple of goals that Tillemans have scored which is which is mental really and then two minutes later a mistake um by by Spurs and Leicester are in Madison Kalechi and Echo through to Madison and it's 2-1. Unbelievable. Um, such a turnaround. Uh, so it's 2-1 and then more chances. You know, Ian Acho was, was fantastic. And 
it's, a, it's such a strange one with Kalechi and Acho because there was times where he was genuinely hated by Leicester fans and they wanted him gone and sold immediately and just let him go, let, let him go, let him leave and all of that. And then he had a change of fortune in the, in the 2021 season, in that back end of that season, he ended up becoming the top goal scorer. Him and Vardy up front were a, were a formidable strike partnership. And then he's had to bide his time again. He's had to drop back down to the bench and it just seems to me like he's the sort of player that he hasn't moaned, he hasn't complained, and he's just bided his time. And now that we've got this natural right winger, I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, he can now play his more natural role. People have said he can't lead the line. He's doing a bloody good job at the minute. He could have quite easily had a hat-trick against Villa. He could have quite easily had a hat-trick last weekend as well. Uh, and his goal was just lovely. Brilliant goal. Just just stood Eric Dyer up and was like, well, come on then, come and close me down. No, okay, I'll just I'll just pop it round you and just slot it into the bottom corner. And that made it 3-1 at half time. So Leicester become the first team in Premier League history to be winning 3-1 at half time in back-to-back games when they conceded the first goal. That makes sense? Does to me. So we're the first team to ever do it. Good stuff. Uh, second half, much of the same. Uh, Harvey Barnes, goal disallowed, which I spoke about briefly there. It is what it is. I, I don't believe he was offside, but there we go. Uh, but then he got a much-deserved goal in the second half anyway. Again, very similar to Ian Acho, but obviously with his right foot, where he just nicely, calmly placed it into the, into the bottom corner. Great goal. And... Look, Tete wasn't really in the game much, but what it allowed was what I said a couple of weeks ago, that now that we have a natural right winger, now that we have a Harvey Barnes equivalent on the other side, we can switch the play around and there's not so much emphasis on give the ball to Barnes because he's our only winger. And it's, it is going to make him a better player. It's going to make him more of an impact player for, for Leicester than he has been in recent weeks. There is a very talented footballer in Harvey Barnes. The numbers show that, the goals and assists that he's picked up over the last couple of seasons. His output is is ridiculous. Uh, I think what it is, is for a lot of Leicester fans, when we see every single minute of him playing, we do pick fault. Uh, we used to do the same with Ben Chilwell. We used to pick fault with Chilwell. And I think I think a lot of Leicester fans realise now that actually what a very good player Chilwell was. Um, talking of left-backs, I thought Christensen was excellent. The energy from him, the overlapping, it was just so good to see. You know, did not look scared, didn't look worried about being in the Premier League. He's going to have a tough job this weekend, Leicester take on Man United. So he's going to be up against... Anthony or up against Sancho or potentially Rashford if, if Rashford gets put over on that side, which I, I doubt very much. But that's going to be a test for him. It's going to be a test for the whole of the back four. It's going to be a test for for, um, for Harry Suter, who I thought was steady. You know, Harry Kane wasn't really in the game from an attacking point of view. Tottenham weren't really in the game. They were Tottenham were very, very poor. Defensively, they were absolutely shocking. Um, I talked about Christiansen being... Brilliant. Spurs, Spurs uh, right back Pedro Paro looked 
it looked like if I played right back in the Premier League, to be honest, he was all over the place. Uh, you know, Tanganga, Eric Dyer. I mean, anyone that knows me know my, knows my thoughts on Eric Dyer anyway. Uh, and then Ben Davis, who is a, a a trusted player, but he's getting on a bit now, isn't he? So defensively, they're all over the place. Hugo Lloris wasn't in goal, but I, I still feel that Leicester would have won that game anyway. But yeah, the Harry Kane didn't get a sniff. The partnership between Suter and Fass is is growing, which is which is great to see. Great to see Ricardo Pereira come back. I just hope he stays injury free. Uh, he gives us another option at right back. He gives us another option at right wing, which I've spoken about before as well. So um, long may it continue. A couple of tough games coming up though for for Leicester in the league. Uh, I've got Blackburn in the cup as well between those fixtures. So United away and Arsenal at home. So again, I know that we're still not completely and utterly safe. But to, in my mind, these last two games, Leicester have, picked, Leicester have picked up at least five more points than I thought they would, if not six. I actually didn't fancy us to beat Villa and I certainly didn't fancy us to beat Tottenham. So that is... Um, that's great. You know, it's six more points than I thought we'd had. Yes, we've got two tough games coming up. Then we've got Southampton. And then, you know, hopefully by then, you know, you, you're looking at March time and maybe things are started to settle and in terms of what it looks like at the bottom of the table. Um, so, yeah, great result for Leicester. Happy days. And it's amazing what your team doing well does to your mood. Two weeks in a row I've watched Match of the Day. <laughs> uh, right. I just want to pick out one or two other results as well. So United beat Leeds in the big derby there. 2-0. Uh, two goals late on, but I thought thought United just edged it. Rashford with another goal. Scored again last night away at Barcelona in the Europa League. So he's now got 22 for the season, which is either equal or better than his best ever season. Um, the guy is on fire at the moment. He is he's well up there for for player of the season. I know Haaland will probably get it because he's he's on thirty two goals, but I think for Rashford it's it's about the it's about the comeback and it's the it's it's it is genuinely great to see. Just don't score at the weekend, please. Uh, Man City picked up a much needed win against Aston Villa, and. Liverpool won the Merseyside derby. Um, I mean, I thought I, I, I thought the game itself was quite boring, but Everton didn't really offer much. Again, I thought defensively they were quite quite poor, giving the ball away a lot. Um, but Liverpool have still got a hell of a lot of work to do if they're going to be getting back into Europe. So, and then last night we had not last night. Apologies, the night before on Wednesday, uh, a big top of the table clash we had Arsenal versus Man City and Man City ran out 3-1 winners now it almost feels to me that off the back of the the Brentford draw where which we know Arsenal were hard done by and off the back of this result and then Man City beat them in the cup as well uh, a couple of weeks ago that it almost feels like there's now an air of resignation amongst 
Arsenal fans and amongst a lot of people in the media that that's it now. Arsenal are no longer in the title race and it's now Man City's to lose. I have to disagree with that. I actually think that there's three teams in this title race. I do think Man United are in this title race and I wouldn't be surprised if they finish second. I don't know above who just yet. I can see why people are now thinking Man City are going to go on and win this league because their team is full of people that have been there, done that, you know, been second most of the season, third most of the season, then bang, 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 win, win 10 out of 10, 30 more points and champions. Whereas Arsenal have got this young team and it feels at the moment that there's one or two players not quite hitting the heights they were in the first half of the season. So Martinelli, uh, I know Saka did get scored a penalty, but again, as he kind of dropped off a little bit. Thomas Partey wasn't there the other night, which I know Arsenal fans feel that he is the difference between them probably winning the league and not winning the league, his availability in the middle. Uh, but I thought defensively, Arsenal were a bit all over the place. And, and for a couple of the goals, they were they were the victims of their own their own downfall, uh, particularly the first goal, you know, which was a wonderful finish from De Bruyne. But... It was it was lazy defending from Tommy Asu, um, and I, I mentioned it earlier. I thought the defending for the Brentford goal, albeit shouldn't have counted, the defending for that goal was quite poor as well. So Arsenal need to do a bit of a regroup, get the heads back together, and just kind of go right. Well, look, we're in this position now. We've got a game in hand on City. Let's go for it. Let's let's just go for it and see what happens. You know, and our Arsenal fans will will rightly tell you that look, this season was never about challenging for the title. It was about getting back into the Champions League, which they should do. They should finish in the top four. So them winning the league, you know, if if Man City were to go and win the league now, I don't think it would be a case of ah, look, Arsenal messed it up. Arsenal did this because Man City are just so strong and so good. But I don't think they're out of the title race, and and I don't think United are either. Um, for what for what it's worth. Okay, so that was that was just uh, a very quick look at last weekend. I'm not going to go through all the results, um, but what I will do is have a look and let's talk about this weekend's games. So first up, we have Villa versus Arsenal. I think Arsenal bounced back from from the defeat the other night and they will pick up a win there. Brentford Palace, I always really fancy Brentford when they're at home, so I'm going to go for a Brentford win there. Brighton Fulham, you know, two teams that are doing really really well last season. Fulham won last weekend 2-0 against Forest. Brighton robbed essentially uh, away in that derby, not derby in that big rivalry game against Palace last weekend. This could be an absolute banger of a game, really. It's a shame it's not on the telly. Uh, Brighton-Fulham, I'm going to go for a draw. Chelsea-Southampton. Now, Southampton managerless, as we as I've mentioned. Chelsea just seem to be picking up draws recently. Lost the other night in the Champions League, mind you. Uh, I'm going to go for Chelsea. Uh, Everton leads a big bottom of the table clash. Big game for both both teams here. You know, they're only they're only 
there's only a point between them in the league table. Uh, Leeds are 17th on 19 and Everton are 18th on 18. So a win, a win either way here would be, would be big for, for either team. Uh, I'm going to thinking with my, thinking with my Leicester head on here, I actually want this to be a draw. So I'm going to go for that. Uh, Forest versus Man City. You've got to go with Man City for this one, but Forest, they're making the city ground a bit of a fortress and they are picking up. They have picked up some results recently, lost last weekend, as I've mentioned. Uh, Wolves versus Bournemouth. But, you know, again, this is another one that's down at the bottom of the table that, that is quite big. Bournemouth really need to pick up a, a win here. Uh, but I do think that Wolves will edge this one. Uh, Newcastle-Liverpool, a Premier League fixture that historically has always been entertaining. You know, the 4-3s back in the day and the Keegan era, you know, Collymore, Fowler, you know, Espria. I'm going back a long way. There's been more recent examples of where Newcastle and Liverpool have put on uh, good games as well. Look, Liverpool are still a bit shaky. I know they won the other night against Everton. The problem with Newcastle at the minute is they can't seem to they can't seem to win. Um, and they don't concede a lot of goals. I've 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 mentioned that previously. They they don't concede a lot. But the last time they won was Boxing Day. Uh, and since then, they have had one, two, three, four, five, six draws. Now, they, they've only conceded two goals in those six draws. But they have also only scored three goals. Oh, no, they beat, sorry, they beat Fulham. They beat Fulham uh, on the 15th of January. So my, my apologies. So in those six games, they've drawn five and won one. Not conceded, they conceded two and scored three. So again, they're not, you know, Newcastle are having a great season and it's a marked improvement on where they were the first half of last season. This is going to be a close one. Uh, I think I'm actually going to go with I'm going to go with a two-one Newcastle win on that one. Man United versus Leicester. Now Leicester are playing well at the minute. We're doing all right. However, United, I feel like they're a team that people are starting to fear again. People don't want to go to Old Trafford. They don't want to play up against. They don't want to play against Rashford. Uh, Jaden Sancho is back uh, in the team. Uh, whether his performances have warranted people to get excited is yet to be seen. You know, defensively, they look a lot more solid. De Gea is, is playing really well again. You know, Martinez, Varane, Wambasaka is like a player reborn. Uh, this is going to be a very difficult game. You know, 12 months ago, I'd have probably said, I think Leicester can nick a draw. Um, I'd like to think we can nick a draw this time, but if I'm being ultra realistic and taking off my blue tinted glasses, I'm going to go for a United win. I just don't want it to be embarrassing. Uh, Spurs versus West Ham is the Sunday game. Hmm. I'm going to go for a Spurs win, which will heap a bit of pressure, a bit more pressure on David Moyes, but I'm not really sure what West Ham fans want really. Uh, as long as he keeps you in the league, maybe. I know they had a great season last season, but there we go. You can't you can't be brilliant every season, unless you're Man City, and then you can cheat your way to it. Oh, 
Allegedly. Allegedly. Right, that is it for this week. That is it for episode 30. Thank you very much for listening. Your continued support is very much appreciated. Don't forget to go and check out my social medias. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm also on YouTube. As you know, you may be watching this on YouTube. Uh, if you go to my Twitter, at Added Football, there's a link tree in there, and that will take you to everywhere else that I've mentioned. Um, don't forget to check out all the other Games and Graphs Studio products that we have products <laughs> or the other the other things under the game and grab studio banner so we've got the clubhouse the games and grabs podcast and finn streams over on twitch twitch.tv forward slash the finn steel thank you very much for listening this has been episode 30 and i will speak to you next time goodbye